You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Well, good morning, everyone. Everyone here at uh, the uh, in-person worship service and welcome everybody at home watching us. We wish you could be with us outside. It's beautiful right here in Santa Monica. It's great to be together. I hope you're doing well. I uh, had a chance last night to join the Summer Fest down in Orange County with the campus. And uh, they had a um, they had a jousting, uh, like a bounce house jousting uh, competition going on in a, in a big sort of inflatable bounce house. And, of course, that gives me uh, sort of traumatic memories because two years ago, I went in that jousting uh, bounce house and had a competition and ended up in the hospital. So I did go back in there, and I actually won the competition against my 11-year-old Nathan, and my back was fine. Yeah, that's that's all I can handle, my 11-year-old. It was great. No, I'm, I'm healthy, but I wasn't going to chance it, so... Well, welcome. I did want to uh, welcome, we have with us uh, a new couples joining the West Side Ministry. They're from the Santa Clarita Church, and that's Davis and Colleen Allen. It's great to have you guys. Davis and Colleen, welcome. I know you just moved in yesterday. It's great to have you down here on the West Side. And welcome friends and family who are here today. It is, uh, you know, the summer is is has kicked off, and uh, a lot of people are, are coming and going in the summer, a lot of transition. I know I'm excited about our, our campus internship that's going on, the tra- leadership training that's happening. Uh, I'm looking forward to our married and singles groups are, are doing a reforming, regrouping plan. To, we're launching that in the month of July, so a lot of fun stuff going on there. And I know it's going to be a tremendous summer because things are opening up. Uh, I'm encouraged about that, but we still have to wake up from, I think, a slumber of the past year. There's been a, uh, a slumbering going on. It's been challenging. We're, we're coming out of, of a terrible, difficult time, maybe, maybe a great spiritual time in some ways. And I'll share a little bit about our church in Lebanon later, uh, and how incredible this difficult time has been for them in a spiritual way. Uh, it's amazing the things going on, but we need to consider the idea of waking up from this slumber of being locked down and the idea of waking up came to my mind as I was praying and asking God what does the church need to hear about and a lot of different thoughts flooded my mind a a couple songs flooded my mind about the idea of waking up and being wide awake I remember the the uh the song by U2 called Bad where in the song it's really talking about being wide awake wide awake and it's really talking about overcoming drug addiction but you know when you wake up from drug addiction it's incredible change. And then I remember the Katy Perry song, uh, Wide Awake, and she had to wake up from a bad relationship. And I liked that song, and I started thinking about that one, and she, she woke up and realized, okay, I'm gonna be okay. This relationship was, was misconstrued, but I'm ready to, to go on a new path. But really, what I wanna talk about today is us waking up spiritually. And uh, one of the thoughts that comes to my mind about waking up is how each of us handles waking up. I don't know about you, but in our family, each of us wakes up a little different. So in the mornings, I usually get up really early. I'm a, how many of you guys are light sleepers? You get up really easily, okay? How many of you guys are like your bears hibernating when you sleep? Okay, it's a little bit different. So 
I sleep light and I don't, maybe that's why when I wake up, you know, you can tell I woke up. Like you look at my hair and my face is sort of distorted and it's like, you can just tell when somebody like me has woken up from a, a night of sleeping, even if, you know, even though I got a lot of sleep, I still look like I've been hit by a truck, you know? Now, contrasting that is my wife. When she goes to sleep, like energy shoots out of her because she's just like relaxing. And they talk about the beauty sleep. And so every morning when I see Carrie, she just looks like this porcelain doll of perfection. So her face is, face is all smooth. And I'm like, how, you know, she wakes up and, and she's ready to go. Yeah, that's how she is. She looks awesome in the mornings. I wake up and I'm like, Bleh. like I look a little like Justin does. You can tell when Justin, yeah, hasn't quite got himself together. He's like, yeah, I had to get out of bed fast. My hair is this way. My eyes are still swollen. <laughs> hey, I relate. That's how I am. So you'll know if I've taken a shower and got myself together or if I just jumped out of bed. Right? I'll have a hat on if I did that because I got to, you know, the hair is crazy. But we all wake up in different ways. and. There's a need for all of us to wake up spiritually today. Uh, even if you feel like the 40 days of prayer that we have done has allowed a, a rumbling of energy inside of you and a faithfulness, and I believe it has. I'm hearing good news. I'm hearing people's prayers coming true. I'm seeing a light in the eyes of more and more disciples. But I think there's levels of waking up that we need to go through. And it's time for us to do that. I know Chuck two weeks ago talked about having more love, that we need love, that the, the ailments of our culture and our world and our history, the racism in our culture comes from a lack of love. And Jesus came as the antidote to that. And Kenny talked about lifting our eyes to heaven and looking to God and knowing he's the solution. He's our father. And today I really do want us to wake up. Let's go to God in prayer as we study some scriptures about a spiritual awakening. Father, thank you so much for this time to study your scriptures, to reflect on you waking us up spiritually. Help us to see things the way you want us to see things. Help us to have eyes that understand your presence and your will for our life and for others' lives. Father, I pray you'll bless uh, this time of worship, this time of study. Be with each of our hearts. Open us up, whether we're here in person or at home. Help us to be woken to what you want us to see. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, the Apostle Paul was talking about leaving no debt uh, outstanding except the continuing debt to love others. And then he goes on, he says, and love others and do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. We are to understand the present time. And I hope that you understand the present time. That we really are in a spiritual world. And we've come through a, a very difficult time. We've all faced unprecedented times of fear, of questioning, of doubt, of despair for many of us, uh, many different types of deception. And we've been forced to reflect deeply on who we are and what we stand for, not only here in America, but all over the world. We've been unnaturally forced to lock down and stay in our rooms. And really, uh, back in June was just uh, last year. Remember, we came out of it just for a little bit of time. Some places in the country, they're still, I mean, in the world, rather, they're still locked down. 
And we have to understand this has had an effect on us. This has had an emotional, mental, spiritual, and even physical effect on us. And it's important for us to open our eyes and be aware that God wants us to wake up to see things the way he intends. Many of us have not seen each other in really over a year. So welcome. If we haven't seen you in a while, it's good to see you. I know on Wednesday night we had our celebration of our end of the 40 days of prayer, as well as our celebration of our of our giving to our world missions field. And it was great to be out at Veterans Parks so fellowshipping. We had ice cream and we had the fruit cart. And the fruit cart, how many of you guys got a big fat fruit cup? That was awesome. That was a hit. The lines were long. People loved it. I got commended by Afoma and DeShake for the healthy nature of that offering to the church. So it was a joy to see different people. It was great to see Doretha. She's like, this is the first thing I've come to. It was, it was awesome to see her face to face. And we need that. We need that interaction. You need that. Don't underestimate. People at home, don't underestimate the power of personal connection. One-to-one, face-to-face. We are more than video screens. Though we want you fed and inspired through the video screen, you need connection. We all need connection. We need to wake up to our need for each other. We need to wake up to the spiritual things that God is doing all over the world. This past week, we had a, a staff retreat to plan and prepare for the end of the year. And in one of our devotionals, Carrie shared about the spiritual battle. Uh, she was doing the devotional for all of us and sharing about her own experiences and how um, e- even in her own learning and her own uh, gaining insight from people, uh, a-, a mentor had shared with her the-, the need to look at things from a spiritual perspective and understand their spiritual battles. And we can't write people off as it's just their sin that's causing the problems in their life. And she shared some really vulnerable things about her own past and abuse she'd been through and how she could have taken it personal and wanted to blame herself. But then, you know, uh, she was really called to look at the fact that Satan's out there. There's spiritual forces of evil out there affecting all people, affecting her, attacking her when she was a young girl to get her to doubt And it's not okay for us to just write everything off as people's character or they just haven't dealt with that. But to realize there's a spiritual world that we all live in and we are fighting a spiritual battle. And Jesus came to allow us to be victorious. But let's not be naive. Let's realize that across this city of Los Angeles, known as the city of angels, there are also spiritual forces of evil out there that can affect us. And tear us down and attack us. And we have to wake up and see that and be aware of that. You know, the 40 days of prayer time helped each of us to really uh, pray about the things we want to see happen. And then look for how God is working. To begin to see his little blessings and his workings in people's conversations. In circumstances, in victories and defeats. And today I want all of us to wake up and see the spiritual world. You know, in Romans chapter 13, as we read on down, Paul says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. To put aside the deeds of darkness is part of us waking up. And we can all share our story, our testimony of going from not understanding or entrusting our hearts to God to the time when we did. And some of us haven't yet. Some of us need to entrust our hearts to Jesus. 
but everyone has their time. Everyone has a time when the scales fall from their eyes and they get the opportunity to entrust themselves to Jesus and see the pain of sin and how it destroys our life. And I can remember my days when I was in my early 20s and how encouraging it was to finally read the book of John and actually believe Jesus is the son of God and have a hero to follow. And my eyes opened up and my whole world transformed. We each have a story about that. And I overcame drug addiction, or not so much addiction, but really excessive use, excessive drinking, excessive sexual immorality, just worldly, uh, unhealthy, and unhopeful living. My eyes were opened. But you know, that has to happen more than just one time. It has to happen often in our life. Uh, I've been really encouraged on Saturday mornings, a number of the single professional brothers come over to the house in the morning early morning on Saturday, and we talk. We, we read scriptures about what it looks like to be a man of God and to be a leader for God. And we get open, and we share our issues with purity, and we share our issues with insecurity and how we feel about our fathers. And we share our concerns about uh, our life and our careers and our doubts. And it's at these times that we begin to put our, on the armor of light. See, when you're in the light, when you're open with your life, when you talk about things with people, who, who you trust, you start feeling a, a, a protection, a strength. There's grace. There's hope. We all struggle with these things of insecurity and doubt and fears and purity issues. But do you put on the armor of light, which is the belt of, of truth, right? And the breastplate of faith. Ephesians 6 talks about this. And getting up, and we need each other. Part of waking up is you need a group around you. You know, we're starting to regroup with the, the singles and the marrieds, and the campus has their connect groups. Those connect groups are so essential. I don't know if the marrieds and singles know this, but our campus is all divided into, uh, you know, their different campus ministries. But they have three or four person connect groups that they meet on a regular basis to, to have these very same kind of talks of openness to put on the armor of light. And we need that. To wake up. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, we read this challenge. It says, This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. See, everything exposed to the light becomes visible. And when it's illumined by the light of truth, God begins to work. He begins to have an effect that lasts. And we need to wake up, church. We need to see there is a spiritual battle going on. And it's going on in all sorts of places. And I want to challenge us to hold on to two aspects of waking up. And I'm going to take those from the book of Ephesians where he he says here in chapter 5 to wake up, O sleeper. But I want to go back into chapter 1 of Ephesians and look at this passage and draw our points, our practical points from this. So in Ephesians chapter 1, my first point is going to come from that, and that is wake up to eternal hope. We need to all wake up to eternal hope, to our minds seeing things beyond what's right in front of us, what our lives show us just day to day visually. We need to live not only by sight, but by faith, right? We live by faith, not by sight in all areas of our life. And so here I want to read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. And speaking to the church, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope 
to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Paul was praying that the eyes of their heart, right? We, we have a, a spiritual way to see things, and that comes from our heart. The, our spiritual eyes. You know, we have, you know, some of us don't even have physical sight. Most of us have physical sight. But what God wants us to have even greater than physical sight is spiritual sight, that the eyes of your heart are enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Eternal things. What is this hope? I read an incredible book by N.T. Wright, uh, one of the foremost uh, New Testament theologians. It's called Surprised by Hope. And the point of this book is that we have a very clear, a very proven, empirically proven, actual evidence has been recorded that there is a resurrection after we die. That Jesus was the first to resurrect from the dead and live in a body somehow that we can't quite comprehend, but many, it says 500 eyewitnesses saw him after his resurrection. Why has Christianity propagated all around the world for two millennia? Because it is true. Jesus resurrected physically from the dead. And the promise for all of us is that someday we too will have a physical resurrection like his into an eternal reality that is actually physical, which means we need to treat physical things as valuable. God says all that he created is good. But there's an eternal reality to this. See, we the scriptures talk about how we have this fear of death. But when you understand and believe what Jesus said, what Jesus did, and what he promised— you no longer have a fear of death. You know, I had a dream this week. It was a scary dream. In my dream, there was these clouds, really dark, covering the sky. And it, it was so dark that I, I, it was almost like the clouds went all the way down to the ground. And I was, I was kind of scared by it at first. I thought, this is terrible. What's kind of scary about this dream is guess what also happened in my dream, right? As the clouds were coming, I saw this building and it collapsed. Now that, I didn't know what that meant, but then the next day, the building collapsed in Miami and killed those people. We need to be praying for that. I don't know how that was related. But I just thought that is kind of scary and shocking that I had that dream. But I had the also, so the idea of the impending clouds and storms coming it's going to envelop you couldn't in my dream you could not get away from the darkness of the clouds that were coming it was impossible to get away and in my dream i felt like wow this is scary but then in my dream i realized but what am i scared of it doesn't matter what storm comes my way i'm a disciple of jesus my mission is secure my self-esteem is secure who i am as a person is secure and eternity is secure i have nothing to fear whatever storm comes my way Are you woken to the eternal truth of what Jesus has revealed to the human race? It's so exciting. We live for something much bigger than economic success. We live for something much bigger than fame. Some of us, we seek that. It's part of our nature. But we live for something much bigger than that, much more satisfying than that. We live for eternity. We live for this inheritance. If you notice the scripture, it says right there, 
that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. Let's be honest. We all would like to be really, really rich. We do. I, you just got to admit it. You would like it, but you would be really spiritual with your money and give it all to God and his mission, and it would, wouldn't mess you up. It probably would, because I believe the Lord could make anyone he wants really rich when they give it to the kingdom of God. He pours it through the channels that channel it to what he wants. But I, I confess, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind, I, at least in my mind, it'd be nice to, you know, really be wealthy. I'd give it to so many good causes and have a nice car, too, in the meantime and have, you know, that kind of thing. We think that way. But our hope is so much bigger than that. We have this inheritance that is, is a riches beyond comprehension. The riches of pre- the presence of God. And the joy of the deepest riches of relationships that last forever. How are you doing with your hope in the eternal? Are you awake to what really matters? And can people tell by the way you live? Can people see it by how you handle yourself? Can people tell what is important to you? What is your hope? What do you put your best energy toward? What gets your greatest talent? What gets most of your time? Is it God and his eternal purpose? Is it God and his plan? Is it revealing him to the world? Recently, I was reading the uh, Instagram page of one of my old high school friends. I hadn't talked to him in 20 years. But what I saw in there, I was inspired by, and he had listed uh, Steve Jobs' last uh, word, something he had written on his deathbed. I want you to hear what Steve Jobs, of course, he's the founder of Apple, of course, started, got the iPhone and got that thing going and iTunes. And he's the reason they became really one of the greatest companies, if not greatest company in the whole world from a financial and production and technology standpoint. Right. But here's what he said. You know, he died a billionaire, but in his his mid 50s, but he died of uh, pancreatic cancer. And on his sickbed, he said, I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is an epitome of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I am accustomed to. At this moment, lying on the sickbed and recalling my whole life, I realized that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. You can employ someone to drive the car for you, make money for you, but you cannot have someone bear the sickness for you. Material things lost can be found, but there is one thing that can never be found when it is lost. Life. When a person goes into the operating room, he will realize that there is one book that he has yet to finish reading, the book of healthy life. Now, we know what that book really is. It's the spiritual healthy life. Whichever stage in life we are at right now with time, we will face the day when the curtain comes down. Treasure, love for your family, love for your spouse, love for your friends, Treat yourself well. Cherish others. You will realize your true inner happiness does not come from the material things of the world. Whether you fly first or economy class, if the plane goes down, you go down with it. 
True happiness, he understood, was relationships at the end of his days. We know the ultimate relationship is with your creator who loves you more than any of us can comprehend. And I know when I, I got to yesterday, spent some time with, uh, with Ken's niece, Yvonne and, and Brandon, uh, Ken's, uh, child's niece who lives here in Venice. And we went over to visit and they had a little baby and seeing their little baby daughter. So cute. So sweet. It got me thinking about like when my children were born and how much I love my children. You know, little Nathan, when he's a cute little pudgy baby and little, little Caitlin and little Kyle and how much you love them when they're little. And, and you almost think they're so precious. And then this thought occurs to me. God loves them more than I do. And, I, and, and you, your baby, moms know, you know, Jericho and TR over there, little baby, they just like love their baby so much. God loves their baby more than them. Way more than them, which is hard to fathom as a mom and dad. But that's comforting because that love also transfers to each of us. It's something we need to hold on to. Steve Jobs began to connect to that, slightly connect to this truth of relationships. But we got to wake up to this importance of eternal things. It needs to color how we schedule our time, what we put our energy into, what we train. We all want to train. Right, West Side's an educated group. You know, we got master's degrees and PhDs, and we're getting educated in all kinds of stuff. You know, we've got our our high level university students, and we, you know, Kenny's got four degrees now. But these things. They pale in comparison to the significance of knowing God and his will for our life. Now, amen. Kenny was looking, one of his degrees is in, trying to understand God's will. So good job, Kenny. Got that MDiv. How's your prayer life after the 40 days of prayer is over? I confess a couple times I didn't get on my knees out of bed. and I, it, It's a struggle. You got, you got to go after it all the time. It's not easy to maintain it. You got to fight for it. We got to continue to wake up and struggle for spiritual truth and eternal things. Amen, church. We need this. We got to wake up to this. Now, number two, point number two is we want to wake up to his incomparable power. You know, in Ephesians, in that passage, he says, you know, I want your eyes of your heart to be enlightened to see the hope that he's called you to and his incomparably great power for us who believe, verse 19, his incomparably great power. Now, here's the, I love this, the way the NIV says it. it says, for us who believe, this incomparably great power for us who believe. This is amazing. Oh, we forget this. And we get so fixated on our little problems in life. And, and small thoughts. Many of us, when we did the 40 days of prayer and we had to write down 10 prayers, we, we couldn't even think of like more than two prayers. But if you understood the incomparably great power of God, your prayer, you, you start putting incredible stuff on there. I've been adding some. But I think my, I'm, I'm only part, I'm, I mean, I think my thermometer of faith is still needs to go way higher. God can do incomparably more, so much more. And it's for us who believe. When you wake up to eternal things, 
Now there's a power at your disposal that you can tap into through God's grace and through God's kindness. You know, in 2 Kings chapter 6, we have the story of Elisha, and the king of Aram is wanting to capture Elisha, and he wants to capture him, I don't know, kill him, but he's been messing up his war plans with the king of Israel, because Elisha was telling the king of Israel everywhere that king of Aram was going to show up. And so he decides to get his whole army to surround the city where Elisha and his servant are at. And it says in verse 14 of chapter 6, you can, you can just listen, it says, Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servants of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Actual horses and chariots, which I guess now would be like armies and tanks, right, in our day. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We, these guys had a problem. They had an actual army going to take him in and capture him. That was a real problem. You look at the whole city surrounded We all have problems that we succumb to, we think about. We get stuck in our problems. It's so easy to do. We get stuck in our small thinking of little issues, whether it's financial. Uh, It could be sexual sins that are just tormenting you, that you're not able to, you feel like you can't pull out of it. There's, you know, marital problems in your life, and you feel like you can't pull out of it. Uh, there, there's all kinds of issues we can have with our faith, both for uh, family members who are Christians and family members who aren't Christians. And we get stuck on these things. And yet, the scriptures teach that the spiritual forces of good, of light, of truth, angels and chariots of fire are more, far more than the spiritual forces which are causing discouragement, doubt, discontent. Do you really understand the power that God has? Will you wake up and say, God, okay, I want to connect to that. I want to believe in that. Show me God. Because God can do things more than we ever thought possible. We all know what happened last year with the whole worldwide pandemic. I don't know if many of you realize this. During that pandemic, uh, one of our churches in Lebanon was about 50 members and what happened over there is the p- pandemic really hurt that country. They, they were a mess, and it's still a problem over there. They haven't got vaccinated like they need to. There's a lot of political problems over there, a lot of issues. And the saddest thing happened is an explosion. We heard about the explosion that happened last year where the government, through negligence, had left like 22,000 or 2,200 pounds of explosives sitting in this port, really in very near the richest area, beautiful area of Lebanon, really nice shops and a little marina area, just a a beautiful area. And then these explosives just sort of simultaneously just exploded. I don't know if there was some little fire that caught, caught, you know, caught them. I can't remember the exact cause, but basically it was a risk, uh, an unconscionable risk that government allowed to exist. And it blew up like, just a humongous portion of the city. Largest natural explosion I think anyone's ever seen. It was 
People thought it was a, a nuclear bomb at first. They weren't sure what it was. And it devastated the country. It, it, you know, some disciples ended up in the hospital. The houses were damaged and things were wrecked. The place where the church was meeting, the windows were all shattered. And it was just devastating more physically, uh, I mean, more spiritually than physically over there. The spiritual damage, it traumatized the people in the church, brought fear to people. They just thought, where do we live? There's this government doesn't know what they're doing. How are we going to live here? Well, let me tell you what's happened in the past year and a half during the pandemic in Lebanon. That 50-member church in a Islamic country, there is Christian portion there, but it's also Islamic, uh, and it's just really divided politically. It's a country where if you want to convert a religion, you have to register with the government in that country. You can't, con- you can't change religions without telling the government. Now, people do, but that's actually the law. It's scary. It's difficult. It's complex. In the past year and a half, the church, listen to this, in Lebanon, has had 53 people baptized into Christ. They've doubled in size during the harshest, most difficult, most traumatic time in the history of that country. I don't think any church in Los Angeles, any of our fellowship of churches, has had 53 new disciples baptized. These are people totally committed to the mission of God from Islamic backgrounds and all kinds of other strange religious backgrounds have become disciples in Lebanon during this time. And they really had nothing else to rely on except God and prayer and Bible study. They all started gathering, doing the the first principle studies. The whole church just met all together, everyone doing the basic Bible studies together, bringing all their friends just every week, several times a week. And God worked because they realized, God, we need your power. We rely on nothing else. In America, we rely on all our comfort. I want to call on us to think about God's power to change the issues in your life. But I want to make sure that you're thinking first about you're woken up to what is spiritually important. Because a lot of times we invent problems that really aren't problems to God. And when you're thinking about spiritual things, now he's going to let that power work. Because he does want to see souls saved. He wants your family member to know him. He wants people to have hope in him. He wants to see our culture transformed. Another thing about this power I want to bring up, I want to read a little further. As we close out this concept, and this is going to be our final point here, this this wake up to God's power. In verse 19 and 20, he says, this power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. See, God's power is designed to have authority over all areas of life. Now, I've been, I've been, had a great talk with a, a guy we've been spending time with who came to church um, a month or two ago, and him and I built this friendship. And we began to talk about God's power and what kind of dominion God's power can give us and what kind of influence we can have. And as you study the scriptures, you know, it's interesting how if you, you remember the story of, of Jesus being tempted in, in the, the desert and how Satan says, you know, uh, take you to a high mountain and look at all the kingdoms of the world. And I have authority to give them to anyone I want. And Jesus is like, no, I serve God. Serve God only. Scriptures say serve God only. But what's interesting is Satan said he had authority to give it to anyone he wanted. But then in Matthew 28, we know verse 28 of Matthew or chapter 8, uh, uh, Matthew 28, verse 18, rather, where he says, all authority, this is after the resurrection, has been given to me. 
And so this, we're reading right here. He says he has he's been raised raised up and all authority is under his dominion. So are you a teacher? Are you in government? Are you in entertainment? Are you in business and finance? What are you involved in? Because Jesus has dominion over that area of influence on this planet. He says, all authority has been given to me. That power is available. We can influence the actual areas of influence in our world that we think control things. Disciples of Jesus can make inroads and make a change. And if you doubt it, look what God did to the whole world over the past year to get out, open our eyes to justice issues with people of color, right? He opened the whole world's eyes to things. I know for me, I was waking up to my, a lot of my brothers feel so much pain. I've been out of touch with several years before that there was the me too movement. Women felt abused and were abused, mistreated in many industries. This is awesome that that happened in our culture because it woke us up to go, whoa, 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 you can't, you can't do that. Don't think your power gives you the ability to mistreat women that way. I mean, who caused that? You think, well, the media, yeah, whatever. God allowed it to happen, and it creates protection and honesty because the light shines on it. God can do this in the area that you have influence. Whatever your vocation is, God's called you to make a tremendous difference of making disciples within that area and maybe raise up to great influence uh, in your company, in your area of influence. Maybe, maybe Josh's album will go double platinum. I'd love it. He could do this. He has incomparably great power for those who believe and he allows it to work when we give all glory and honor and focus and time and energy and talent to his uses. You got to wake up. God has a plan for each of you in the vocation that you're called to. Maybe in your family. He's got a plan for you. I want to call on all of us here to wake up. In the book of Revelations, as we close out, we find a passage where... And I don't have it on the screen, but I want to, you know, it's where he's speaking, uh, the, the angel is speaking to John and he writes, he tells him, wake up, the church in Sardis, wake up, strengthen what remains isn't about to die for I have found your deeds unfinished. He says, wake up. Remember what you've received. If you don't wake up, I'm going to come like a thief. He says, remember, hold fast. To the things you know are true and repent. You know, repentance is, is not a one-time thing. It's an all-time thing. Metanoia is a change of mind, a change of action, change of thought. We got to keep changing, keep growing, keep seeing things different, waking up to these spiritual truths. So I want to challenge us today to wake up to eternal hope, wake up to this incomparable power. And I want us to think about what actions is going to take. I know for some of us, waking up in the mornings is easy. For some of us, it takes a lot of work. You need an alarm clock or you need somebody to push you or you need some motivation. God's calling us. It's going to take finishing the deeds that you said you would do. It's going to take following through with the commitments you made to Jesus. It's going to take some action. Maybe you wanted to begin to study the Bible and learn and understand his ways. You got to follow through. Some of us know some truths, but we're wavering. We're, we're, we're compromising things we know are true. We've got to hold fast to what we know is true. 
And all of us got to engage this idea of repenting, which is transforming, changing our thoughts and our actions all the time, every day, into the ever-increasing glory like Jesus. His resurrection gives us this hope. Let's live in it, and let's be awake, church. As we go through the summer, let's keep waking up. Let's get ready for an incredible fall. Let's keep waking up. People at home, let's keep waking up in every way, our hope and our connection to the power of God. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer at this time and remembering the cross, that his resurrection followed his death on the cross, which paid the price for all our sins, all our weaknesses, all our doubts, and it gives us a second chance, not one time, but every day. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. We want to wake up. We want to be spiritually minded. Father, we want to understand your ways. We want to understand the hope of eternity and think eternally. Father, we want to connect to your power and believe it can change our personal lives and the lives of people around us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on that cross, for shedding that blood, uh, for, for being willing to, to take... Uh, take it the full distance. Help us as well. Give our life up and give you everything. Thank you for the resurrection, which inspires us to an eternal hope. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.